Hello and welcome to PST Review, the show vigorously diarizing the UCL Knights for the next couple of months. Also known as the show frustrated, sometimes sure, but not defeated. My name is Mikko and how great it is to have you here with me. We have a great show because it's been a very busy week and not that it will slow down in the next couple of days either, but we draw the line here, we talk about what has been happening and the next things will be in the next episode. Things are bound to move very quickly now. Uh, today we discuss the UCL draw which took place on 25th of August last week Thursday. We talk about the match against Monaco at Parc des Princes. That is clear of course that we have a quick transfer update. The window is about to close on Thursday the 1st of September so we have the last stretch to go. A lot can happen between then and now. But we'll talk about the information that we have at hand. There's been some actual announcements so we aren't working with rumors alone. I'm so done with the rumors anyways. So much talk speculation and so much of it means very little. So an announcement is what means something. Not the hearsay and all of that other stuff. As defending Coupe de France winners, PSG women's team was playing Trophée de Champions against OL Sunday night as well. And that is something that we talk about in this episode. We have a quick update also on that team and what is happening there. But first, shall we look at the Champions League group stage draw? Always a little bit nervous event, the draw, because you never really know what is in store. I mean, I suppose that is the whole point of it, but I'm quite undecided still. What do I even prefer? What would be the best case scenario? Do you want the most difficult group? You know, the group of death type of situation, you know, to be tested. We have had some of those even in the recent past last couple of seasons we've had a few of them or do you wish to have it as easy as it can be you just kind of get the, the the teams that seem like easier opponents of course you know you have to keep in mind that every club in the group stage is there on merit and arrogance is usually not the best plan to go forward anyways but would you want a kind of difficult challenge or let's say more relaxing challenge or perhaps a little bit like last year that we got one very tough opponent and then few that weren't arguably as bad, although we did lose the top spot of the group stage by dropping points against Club Rouge and RB Leipzig. But uh, that was then and this is now, it's a new time, we are playing against Juventus this time, Benfica and also Maccabi Haifa. Max Allegri of Juventus was quick to slap the pressure of the favourites on PSG. He was saying, on paper, Paris are the favourite team. They are one of the best teams in Europe. They have started the season well and it will be nice to play this double confrontation. But we, on paper, we are playing our qualification with Benfica. So that is Max Allegri uh, from Juventus talking about how he looks at the situation from their angle. And this, by the way, is the first official match then between Juventus and PSG since 1997, which is now 25 years ago. And there are many storylines, of course, here. Angel Di Maria is now playing for the other side, for Juventus. By the time the match is on, so might be playing Leandro Paredes. Actually, he might be there already by the time you hear this. Uh, according to all the reports, the announcement is fairly imminent. And of course, they also have Adrian Rabiot there from PSG Academy times and former player and of course Moiskin who played for PSG on loan for one season with empty stadia. 
The first match against them at Park is actually pretty soon already 6th of September, which is Tuesday night, just over one week from me recording this thing now. And it is very so-so if Di Maria is going to be back from his injury. You'd imagine the answer is certainly not in full fitness, but will he play at all? Well, that's another question. We will see. Look... Anything can happen in football, we all know that, but I don't entirely disagree with Allegri on his assessment of the situation. I do think that we have a great start for the season anyways, you know, despite the Monaco match, which we will cover soon, and even that was far from catastrophic. We have a a better team than Juventus. I think on paper, and even on the pitch, we have much better team than Juventus, or at least, well, it's better. Whether it's much better or whatever, it's very difficult to say, but I think it's good to remember also that group stage hasn't been our Champions League problem before anyways. Whatever you talk about, think about PSG and Champions League, group stage has not been our challenge. Like, that's not our problem. If anything, we have been overperforming usually in a group stage and it's been the knockouts that has been the, <laughs> that has been the challenge in the previous times, if, if anything. But uh, I feel fairly optimistic. Of course, the matches need to be first played. I'm not announcing the results here or anything like that, but I'm not losing my night's sleep over this draw either. Let's talk about the other teams in our group. With the help of Ballon d'Or winner Eusebio, Benfica is a two-time Champions League or European Cup, as it was then known, winner from 1960 and 1961. And here's a bit of trivia. The first winner, other than Real Madrid, who by that time already had five trophies from the first five European Cups, all with the strong support of Spain fascist leader Francisco Franco. But we are talking about Benfica here, not Real Madrid, and we aren't talking about the history, but we are talking about now. Now they're on top of the Primera Liga of Portugal with full points from three matches and no goals conceded. Porto is also there with even points and few names to notice in the squad. This Brazilian David Neres, former Ajax player and now playing for Benfica, as is Gonzalo Ramos, who was rumored to be of interest for PSG. A couple of years ago, I think it was Thomas Tuchel who wanted to bring Julian Weigel from Dortmund to Paris. That deal never materialized. It was talked about during a couple of, couple of transfer windows, but, but it never materialized. But Weigel now plays for Benfica, although... Admittedly, there's been some rumors that he could return to Germany before the transfer window closes, so we don't know if he's going to be there, but currently he is. Benfica, of course, also formative club of Renata Sanchez, and PSG will return to their home stadium, Estadio da Luz, after a few years since playing the Champions League final there in 2022 August. That's pretty much two years and a couple of days ago. I mentioned Renato Sanchez there. Of course, we have a lot of other players who are also familiar with Portuguese football now, especially now we have Nuno Mendes, Danilo Pereira, Vitinha and Sarabia, who was there last season on loan as well. So there might be a small advantage there. We are certainly, we have players who are familiar with that type of play and that style of play. And lastly on the group, there is an Israeli side, Maccabi Haifa. There is a little bit of history between the clubs, but I personally can't for the life of me understand how there are teams from apartheid countries that are not excluded from this competition. I think it's a problem. It's all in all a very exciting time, nevertheless, of the season. The Champions League group stage coming. It will be played this time in very quick succession, like I said, the first match is already next week as I'm recording, and the last one, which is also against Juventus, by the way, that is uh, in in Turin. That is uh, the 2nd of November. Usually it's more than one month later. Usually the last match of group stage is sort of like 
early early um, December, I think, if I remember correctly, last time it might have been 5th of December or something like that. Now it's already 2nd of November, so that will really kind of give you an idea how this group stage is going to be played. And this can have an impact, of course, to the domestic league because the super condensed group stage, there will be need for rotation, both in Champions League, but also, of course, in League on And not only a symbolic gesture, the rotation, but in actual fact, we need proper functional rotation. And then what comes after that? You know, there's the World Cup and the knockouts of the UCL. After that, all of that next spring, a lot is happening this season so it's a little bit known unknown we know that we don't know but we keep on pushing forward group stage will create also a little bit of pressure to league on performances as well while you play teams that don't have the same pressure you know domestically in league on there are a lot of clubs that you're playing who aren't playing european football so you know just the amount of matches that you have to play you have to find that extra gear and previously you know no matter how well we would have done in the continental football we have often dropped points in the following league on match night and now we will have two months when that's basically very close to every single league on match that we have is coming after uh, the, the Champions League match where whereas there's a chance that in many cases the, the, the teams that we're playing against they've had a full week of, of well not rest but practice and recovery things like that but this is a new time I feel we have a new coach now at least the early signs are good he can make plans and rotate well we have to trust that so let's just hope that we can get the last recruitments done and then we are good to go we will talk about the transfer soon but let's talk about the match against AS Monaco first PSG went into the Monaco match in a massively impressive form, having scored at least five goals in each of the league on matches this season. The starting 11 had no surprises. We already knew that Vitinha was resting as he was suspended with one too many yellow cards. His place was filled with Renato Sanchez in the midfield. Otherwise, Donnarumma on goal, Ramos, Marquinhos with captain's armband and Kimbembe as back three with Sanchez. It was Marco Verratti in the midfield. Of course it was. Nuna Menz and Ashraf Hakim as wingbacks Messi, Neymar and Bappe running the show in attack. Neymar, who is in a wonderful form of course, started the match with 107 PSG goals and that is only two goals behind Pauletta. Whether he was thinking about that or not, it was very much in the air that he could take over the Portuguese club legend and it's not even that long time ago when Zlatan overtook him as the top scorer. I mean, Pauletta was the top scorer of PSG until quite recently. But now Neymar is very close to him. Monaco, of course, also had a pretty solid 11 with Benia de Folan, Maripan de Sassi, Padia Chile and others. On, on papers, it was difficult to imagine quite the same showdown as week earlier in Lille. Of course, they also didn't have a bad lineup. It wasn't so much about that. But nevertheless, when I was looking at the starting lineup of, of Monaco, I was thinking that, you know, this is probably going to be a little bit more even match. Early on, it was quite tentative play as the teams were measuring each other a little bit, I feel. Monaco's game plan seemed to be, well, part of it seemed to be to frustrate Neymar, which is a plan that can work. It can also backfire. Neymar got a yellow card early on after a bit of a retaliatory push. I don't want to sound too much like a conspiracy theorist, but Benoit Bastien, the referee, I know he's well respected in France and even beyond France, but I have never cared too much for him. He doesn't mind being the center of the attention and that isn't a good quality for a referee. I, I mainly remember 
fairly substandard matches by him and uh, he lived up to that billing this time too. It's always unfortunate when referees feel like they should be the center of attention. The game got a little bit frustrating turn. You know, Monaco opened the scoring before 20 minutes. It was Folland who got through and our defense was unable to stop him. He got injured during his effort as well. And the game was very physical all in all. It was really a kind of wrestling match at time. Kamara and Neymar collided dangerously moments after both serious injuries and red cards were very much in the air the whole time. And I have to say that to my surprise, a little bit to my surprise, and I don't really know what I was expecting, but it was to my surprise that Sergio Ramos wasn't even participating in any of it too much. He was nowhere to be seen while our players were tackled from all angles. Kamara, who basically leaped on Neymar moments after, kicked Messi down from behind without any intention to touch the ball, and somehow he was still not shown a yellow card. Uh, uh, and I'm not saying that he wasn't playing well. I really think that he was having quite an incredible match, actually, and, and he made our midfield look very unprepared for this. But, uh, I mean, he should have also seen a yellow card. I don't think that's a controversial opinion. I know it's a very biased opinion, but it is what it is. Finally, he got his yellow in the second half after just coming up with his foot up, crashing into Hakimi while the ball had already gone or, or you know, before. It was it was just many different dangerous plays there, um, but at least in the end there was a, a yellow card before he was substituted off. And this is always a challenge to us because obviously the teams are going to play like the referee allows them to play. And if the referee doesn't care, the situations just get more and more and more dangerous. We've seen long-term injuries coming from matches like this. It took 40 minutes of consistently suspect play and tackles by Monaco to get the first yellow card, but it wasn't just dirty tricks with Bastian's blessing. I don't want to misrepresent the match, not at all. It sounds very like a bitter talk from a, from a PSG supporter. Monaco was keeping things compact and they abused our mistake. Their first half was very good. It was excellent, actually, to be honest with you. They had a great, great game plan. It wasn't only about, you know, tackles and, and uh, you know, annoying our star players, but, but they had a very compact and solid game. Uh, you know, 11 on the pitch, so so well done for them. But I also think that while refereeing was poor, there are a few things more boring as PSG fans complaining about the refereeing. It is what it is. My dad raised me like this. You have to win yourself, your opponent and your circumstances. And the referee is very much part of these circumstances. So you kind of have to play in that way that even the referee can't ruin your match if possible. Because, you know, that's not really in your control. On the other hand... Uh, it seemed like PSG's plan that Galtier had made didn't quite work on the first half for the first time during his months in Paris. It, it brought up an interesting situation because last season, if the plan wasn't working, then that was that. We kind of closed our eyes and hoped that somehow Mbappe would go and do something magical to win us the match. But this season is not last season, so it would have been interesting to be a fly on the PSG locker room wall during half time. Before that, though, there was a remarkable chance for PSG where both Messi and Mbappe hit the woodwork, but no results from that other than the entire Parc des Princes gasping in disbelief. Monaco went to halftime with one goal up, although towards the end of the half, PSG had opportunities and should have scored that chance I mentioned, but even otherwise, the team started to adapt to what was happening around them bit by bit, as you would expect professionals to do. 
there were no changes, substitutions during the halftime, but PSG came back with the new energy. I think it was visible from the early on. Perhaps also Monaco started to uh, to get a little bit tired, perhaps not necessarily directly after the halftime, but to, during the course of the second half. That was that was kind of in the air as well. Uh, PSG still had mistakes here and there, and our defense needs something. If the Skriniar deal isn't happening, of course, Monaco's Disasi has been mentioned as an option and he was having a great match, not just in the back line for Monaco, but also working his way higher up the pitch for pressure. He was doing that very well. My knowledge of him, I admit, is otherwise very limited, but anecdotally I can say that he was very, very good in this match and after the match, it was reported that the talks with and about him are intensifying. I welcome that. PSG was not quite clinical enough on the evening, or they were unlucky. Perhaps a bit of both, I think. Another absolutely remarkable opportunity with men's Neymar, Messi, and finally Sanchez, who missed the goal. Moments later, Neymar was on the side after a long sort of deflected ball from Mbappe's run uh, with it. And Neymar was then held back. He missed the chance, which was very ambitious anyway. But again, the referee didn't mind the defender pulling Neymar back and holding his hand and and kind of like grabbing his shirt and that type of thing. You know, that type of thing. Oh, well, on 63 minutes, Galtier made his first change, taking Renato Sanchez out and replacing him with another Portuguese midfielder, Danilo Pereira. Sanchez didn't have a great match. I'm going to be blunt and honest about it. He wasn't having a great match. PSG's midfield was a mismatch with Monaco's one, especially on the first half. Before 70 minutes of play, Neymar was brought down in the box. And when he was questioning the no penalty decision, Bastien, with certain sort of hostility in his expression, told him to get up, you know, stop wasting his time. But having said that, the VAR asked him to go and revise the situation. And indeed, it was a penalty which Neymar himself converted. 1-1. Leighton Mbappe had one-on-one with Nubel but couldn't get his goal. The pressure was increasing towards the end. PSG was really pushing for that that, that winner. Uh, it didn't happen. Around 86 minutes, few changes. Messi and Marquinhos out and Mukiele and Sarabia in. Just to get some fresh legs, I guess, and give a little bit of a rest to some of our important players. Although, admittedly, not very much. I mean, this was 86 minutes. It's not going to make a huge difference, but maybe everything is helping a little bit. Some chances, quite a bit of contact and extremely physical play. That really was the name of the whole game. There were some heated situations also in the end, but no more goals. It was 1-1. Now, Monaco had really great first half. I said this much already, but we could have and should have uh, evened the match before the halftime. The double waste, the chance by Messi and Mbappe is just something you don't expect to see. Although, I suppose we have become kind of continental leaders in hitting the woodwork in the last couple of seasons. So perhaps it was to be expected. But anyways, we had that chance and, and, and we had many other chances to take all the three points. So in that sense, it was disappointing to share the results. But this is not in any way catastrophic. Statistic-wise, our dominance was Kind of clear, but only goals matter. The defense needs to figure itself out. Even in this match, the goal that came was kind of given to Monaco, I would say. Our lines are too easy to break, to open, and in the end, I also feel like Ramos could have blocked the ball, or so it seems certainly from the TV, from different angles. He was kind of like almost there in time, 
but with a little bit of a sliding tackle, something he could have taken the ball. And of course, you know, there's always a possibility that in that kind of situation, it could also end with the penalty kick. But now the situation resulted with a goal, so not a huge difference there. Perhaps it would have been a risk worth to take, but at the same time, while I don't think that Ramos was having a great match at all, but maybe I shouldn't be here uh, telling uh, Ramos how to defend in foot on football pitch. Maybe that's something that uh, would be just a little bit arrogant, even for me. First match for Kaltir to not win. Still undefeated, but not with the full points. Basically, this match was winnable. There were some good chances that were missed, but such is life. And now we need to start seeing how the next matches should go. I have been aware of the necessity to rotate during this season because of the group stage coming and then the World Cup. But I admit, I really admit to you, I, it's only now hitting home what urgency there is behind this. I mean, we really need to have options and And, and we do have options, and, and, and I think that we are going to get a few more players as well, but but we do have options, but we really need to start getting all the players tested and all the players ready and all potential adjustments to the formation also working. Because I would say we need to have at least a few different ways to play. We can't struggle to this extent if the opponent finds a way to kill our game like Monaco did in the first part of the match. We might also, of course, like said, get new players. So these things might change anyway. And it's kind of like difficult to set anything in stone before you have the kind of squad that you will go into the proper season properly. Of course, the season has already started. These are already proper matches, but campaign, how it's going to turn out, we're going to know later on this week uh, as I'm recording what kind of squad we are going to be having. It is a little bit of a bizarre thing to say at this point, but PSG was missing Vitinha a little bit. The midfield wasn't working as well than what it has been in the previous matches, and Danilo was then bringing good balance as he entered. Renato Sanchez just isn't used to this yet. He will get there, I'm sure, with time. I trust it, but everything, you know, everything takes a moment before it clicks. Sometimes things click very quickly, but but you kind of have to also accept that that with, with him it might take a little bit of time. I mean, last year it certainly took time even with Messi and he's, you know, world-class player as if ever there was one. Neymar in this match, he was up and down. Down in the sense that he was a little bit frustrated, sometimes a little bit too frustrated and, and hot-headed at times, but he was also targeted by Monaco quite relentlessly. He was also up in every other way. He really is enjoying his football And it's no surprise to me that the opponents are trying to distract and disturb him out of all the players. To me, it was a really good match from him. And with this one goal, he's now only one goal behind Pauletta in PSG's all-time scoring chart. Nunemans, a really great match, of course, by him. That kind of, you know, starts becoming like something that I'm, I'm saying every every single match. Nunemans is a really great player. He's very young, but he's a really, really great player. And, and so is Hakimi. And we are really very happy to have these guys as sort of wingbacks. And it works very well, this factory, when they have a little bit more freedom to go forward. They're really in their element and it's a beautiful thing to see. I'm really enjoying it. Messi and Papa were okay. Nothing earth-shattering, although the expectations with them are so high that they can be quite amazing and still a little bit underperforming, still a little bit underwhelming, even though they would have quite a great performance. That's just the nature it is. I already mentioned, I don't think Ramos had a great match and Don Rumo wasn't asked many questions, but his performance was still a bit shaky. I don't know if I should be worried about this or, or not, but 
I don't know, we are so used to Navas being quite great that we understand that Donnarumma, because of his age, he is really something for the future, but but he really needs to, to work on few areas of, of, of his football, I think, at the moment, because sometimes he misjudges the situations. He needs more practice, you know, for his footwork and decision-making. Sometimes he takes what seems like a wrong decision. There was a situation in this match even when he was kind of like rushing forward and then kind of like having to, to reverse while Ben Yedder was having a chance. He kind of like chipped the ball over, but it, it went over the goal. But but nevertheless, it was a little bit of a situation that was, uh, uh, you know, a nervous moment for us. And now that Navas is no longer in the competition for playing time. It's time for Donnarumma to raise his level and I do hope that he can also take advantage of Italy's non-qualification to the World Cup. I can imagine the frustration of it all but we need to find the silver lining and those players who aren't there they have their full focus on club football and I hope that they can work on what needs to be worked on and I think that Donnarumma has a few things to... I'm not questioning his standard, I'm not questioning his quality but I think that he just needs to get to that level to find his his own identity and his own personality as a PSG goalkeeper and and also accept and make peace with the fact that he is now the unquestioned starter in one of the best clubs in the world. Uh, That's not to say that when he was playing in Italy that he wasn't playing for a good team. He was, of course, but this is a new time and, and we need a lot from him. We just need a lot from him. You know, we just need a lot from him and his backup is not going to be anywhere near the same standard, so he really needs to stand up. Up next for PSG in Ligue 1, Toulouse, Nantes and then Juventus in Champions League. All these matches are actually within one week from each other's. This autumn is a really serious one, but that's more or less all about the Monaco match. I briefly mentioned the incoming and outgoing players. The transfer window, that is soon closing, so let's have a quick look at that. The transfer window is so very nearly closed, which means that it isn't yet closed, but it will be soon enough. We know that the last couple of days can be quite hectic. That we know from the experience. They can be very hectic indeed. And realistically, we expect at least one, but maybe even up to three new players. PSG president Nasser Al-Khalifi talked to the Le Parisien after UCL draw, saying that we want players who love the club, who love the fight, who love the win. We want this mentality to spread throughout the club. That was Nasser as he's building on this idea of Krinta, the crit. It's sort of an antidote of having these stars who don't care, the kind of marketing project instead of a football club. Or at least it comes across uh, like that, the way that he's speaking these days, and, and it's, it's all good. And he stays very much on our new brand. There's a chance that you are listening to this after the transfer deadline day also, so... Even if it's before that, whether it's before that or after that, there might be that some deals are happening. If it's after that, then obviously, you know, we already know what is the squad that we are playing with. So I'm not spending too much time on this. We can talk about it one once all the moving parts have at least temporarily stopped and we can see where we are then and with whom. But let's start with what has already now been confirmed. Our goalkeeper, who is coming from the youth side, Dennis Franchi, has gone to Burnley, to England. Edouard Michoud has also already been seen in Sunderland, also in England. And I haven't yet seen the official confirmation, but I have seen him sitting in the stadium there watching the match. So I take that as a, some sort of indication. It would be a very bizarre place to go purely for a tourist trip while the season is already going on. We assume that this deal is all but announced, at least during the time of recording. 
Paredes deal to Juventus is reportedly also taking place as the match day four has been gotten out of the way, which is now essentially. We are waiting for the confirmation of Navas going to Napoli and hopefully that will also then trigger the deal with Fabian Ruiz to be finalized and he can be heading to Paris. The reports suggest that Ruiz deal would be 22 million euros plus 3 million uh, in bonuses that are sort of like relatively easy to achieve. So 25 million, perhaps later on there will be more accurate information. We will see that then. In the Skriniar saga, nothing is impossible, but it seems unlikely unless we pay as much money as Inter is daring to ask for a player with one year left in his contract. I mentioned Disasi from Monaco earlier, the transfer season days are numbered and I would not mind seeing him joining our team. He was not only solid defensively but his movement forward for pressure was just great. Like it was really, I, I was really very impressed. It caused us trouble so instead of it causing us the trouble let it cause trouble to our opponents. That is my thinking like, like said earlier these negotiations have reportedly been put on the next gear so we are very much on the lookout. Gay Icardi and even Kusava, rumors about all of these players exist, but seeing is believing very much. I think at this point we've been we've been getting our hopes up so many times and then something happens and, and, and oh well, you know, we are back to square one. If we can sell loan or even just end contracts before their time with any of these players, you know, it's all good and welcome. And I say this, by the way, as Gay is not even... A bad player. I actually think that even Kusama could be a useful player in this in this back three system as a wing back, but as a sort of backup, um, you know. But maybe he would be more of a backup of a backup then. But but nevertheless, I don't think he's a bad player necessarily. He's going. He's been going through some difficult times since whatever has happened. It is what it is. I wish them all best. But now it seems and quite surprisingly so that Icardi to Galatasaray and Kusama to Fulham they seem more likely than Gay Steel to Everton or or elsewhere. I did not expect that to happen, but these are the things you get your hopes up, like said, and then something comes up and changes everything. So I will patiently wait. Hopefully everything will work out fine. Ander Herrera was also one of the players who I didn't expect to see going this summer, but he's now on loan at Athletic Bilbao with an option to buy. The details haven't yet come up, so not sure, or I certainly haven't seen them, so... I don't know who will pay for what, uh, part of the salary, etc. But the only thing we know for a fact is that we don't have to spend as much money as otherwise we would have needed to. And Herrera has a chance to play football if that still is a priority for him. He certainly seemed to be very willing to compromise on that. So without being mean-spirited, you would imagine that he has a good enough financial solution for him to agree on this deal. Or then there's something else that has happened. Herrera published a very beautiful, touching tribute to his time in PSG and Paris Online. Great piece of communication for sure, but also I imagine quite genuine thank you as he seems to have had a great time in in Paris. So while he is leaving on loan, the video greeting that he left us, it had sort of a zero see you later vibes and it was all goodbye video. So loan or not, it seems that this is the goodbye an end of an era and whether you feel like it was in any way significant era well it didn't have to be that for us but I have felt more emotional leaving a lot worse jobs and let's not forget he was a starter in PSG's first ever Champions League final as well I think a lot of collective disappointment of last year has been projected on him. He was largely unavailable for the last spring during the autumn. He was actually one of our key players at the time, but it is understandable that in this new project there is no room for him. 
it's a it's a wrong profile that he has but it's not really anybody's fault i don't think so it's a good thing that the solution was found a solution that seemingly everybody can at least live with our youth team captain Modenapi Bodiang was also loaned out to national and club Puifut Karantantra Avenier for this season. He is a good player, quite a small in size, but a wonderful fullback who probably nevertheless would not have many, if any, chances in the first team. So that is a good thing that he can go somewhere where minutes are available. Now, a lot of these deals that we're talking about, they're loan deals. That means, in other words, that right now we get no transfer fee from Dinai Bimbe, from Herrera. As it has been reported, we don't know quite yet how that's going to go, Mishut and all of that. Basically, we are not really getting transfer fees from from almost anybody, it seems. <laughs> there might be some, but for the most part, these are kind of loans that then may later on turn into... Um, in, in, into sales yeah and, and probably even then the transfer fees aren't that high but but the point here i think is that we are also getting away with quite big salaries so so that uh financial structure or the economic pressure in salaries is kind of like coming down a little bit and we can have other players who are then coming in to take over those those wages as well but this is also something that can really happen when you change the project and and this won't last forever you know, we need to have some patience. And if you think about it, next window in the winter, but perhaps perhaps realistically much more so next summer will be the time when we then don't have to focus so heavily on selling the so-called unwanted players, the undesirables or, or others, you know, which has taken a lot of time, effort and energy during this summer. There might be some of those players, but not a loft full. And fingers crossed, we're building on this new project, strengthen it further than the rotation that is absolutely unavoidable this season might also give us some very interesting results because, you know, there's going to be a lot of players who getting some kind of chance and which ones of those players in the fringes will surprise us positively. Maybe there are some players from there, maybe Sarah Emery, maybe somebody else who can actually become like a regular starters even, or at least regular rotation players. It's been suggested by the media that the plan for the last days of Mercato is that Nasser Al-Khalifi and Louis Campos go all in on the arrivals, whereas Antero Henrique and Jean-Claude Planck work on the outgoing players. And with that type of division of labor, the club aims to achieve summer's transfer goals before midnight when Thursday changes into Friday and the transfer window officially closes down. PSG women's team was playing Trophée des Champions against OL at the very same time as the men were playing against Monaco. So admittedly, I didn't see the match quite in time. Been looking for the highlights. I'm recording this Monday morning and I was struggling to find any good any good highlights or anything like that. This is the thing about women's football. The things that you take for granted from, from men's football, they just don't exist like in the same way. I'm talking about statistics. I'm talking about like timely highlights and things of this nature they just uh, they're just not uh, uh, available so because i haven't seen that match and and I've, I've read some articles i've seen some bits and bobs and i've been following what has been said in social media i'm not really gonna get too bogged down into that uh, because this information wasn't readily available but we have a quick overlook what has happened there and first before that match 
uh, some uh, transfer news also for women's team. Uh, PSG women uh, signed a new striker to take the place of the absent Maria Anton Catoto. Uh, she should be uh, unavailable uh, until the end of this year, I think. And, and we have signed maybe to take her place Icelandic striker Belling Björk Torvalsdotter. Otherwise, we still wait for the other deals. Women's transfer window, of course, is open for longer than men. It only closes on 20th of September, so while there isn't forever left, there's still some time. It's not quite as as panicky as, as, as it might be for men's team. I'm not saying that there's a panic, but nevertheless, there's a little bit more time there to, to, to do business. Just need to get busy, just need to get properly started and just to get involved. The women's team also played uh, the last preseason friendly against Levante in Spain since the last episode when we talked. It was a labored win, but this is about preparation. And arguably, only from Trofeo de Champions onwards, the matches start meaning something. And for that match, Trofeo de Champions, their match starting lineup for PSG was Lydia Williams in gold, Dudek and Ilstede centre-backs Lawrence and Karshau as full-backs, De Almeida, Georo and Sean Francois in midfield and Baltimore, Diani and Bachmann in the attack. Uh, Leon was also missing uh, Renard and Henri. Well, we of course were missing Katoto and these matches are fairly even and it feels to me that very small details win or lose these matches any given time between PSG and OL. It seems that OL is very dominant because they win a lot of trophies but if you look at all the matches from a good couple of years back now it's mostly very even. It's like one goal here, another goal there. Last season, we took a beating in the first Dion match against them with a very specific and difficult context that was the darkest time. One of our players was being kept in police custody as an innocent person and the whole side seemingly were shook. And then the Coupe de France, we returned the favor by beating them 3-0. But all in all, the margins are very small. And OL, after all, is the defending Champions League winner and the winner of that competition many times over. It goes to show how close we are to the top, the very top of women's football. And with a little bit of investment and focus, which I hope we will regain this season, nothing is impossible. Literally nothing as far as women's club football in Europe goes. Actually, this team and women's football in general could probably be almost revolutionized with Julian Draxler's one-month salary. It may be an exaggeration, but it's a lot less of an exaggeration that you would think. PSG had chances, but the finishing wasn't clinical enough, whereas OL seized the moment when we were underperforming and one goal was all that it took for them to get the trophy. A little frustrating for sure, but at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world by a long shot. Our new Icelandic striker wasn't yet in action, the team was just not ready in any way, but based on the preseason, what we desperately need is goals. We need goals, we need decisive players and clinical finishing. Having the ball and building towards the opponent's box means very little if you can't put the ball in the net. That, that's the most basic form of a truism in this sport. It goes without saying it's a platitude, but my goodness, sometimes you just need to say it out loud. We can't be wasteful, but I'm not as worried as some others are by the look of it. We have some players at the that are still at the under-20 World Cup and uh, others from the Euros aren't quite yet back on the right level, even if they are playing, but but they're just not quite in full speed. And we also wait for Lee Martins to be in full effect and something borrowed, something new, something red and something blue. This is the deal with our women's team. We need and hopefully we'll get soon some new recruitments as well. Some news about that we are waiting for. The actual campaign starts on September 9th at home against Soyo. 
That is all for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of PSG Review. My name is Miko and we will see if there will be post-transfer deadline episode. Let's see what happens there. And of course, there's also a match day already on Wednesday as well against Toulouse. That one is on the road. Saturday night, it's Nantes, then also on the road. And then already the time for the Champions League anthem at Parc des Princes when Juventus is paying us a visit. So definitely a lot to look forward to. You can talk to me online at PSG Helsinki on Twitter or Instagram, and the email address is more or less the same, psghelsinki at gmail.com. My name is Mikko, like I said, if you like the show, rate, review, like, retweet, or whatever you want to do. If you want to do it, the truth is that the algorithms really aren't on the side of the non-corporate media who aren't spending tons on paid posts and adverts and things like that. So if you like the show, you can show some love, but that is no way a prerequisite to listen. I appreciate you very much either way. Actually, I would go as far as saying that the algorithms uh, for podcasts and anyway social media they're a little bit like Mohamed Kamara of Monaco's midfield making your life very difficult with all kinds of dirty trickery and if they are on your side you just sort of shrug it off and say no foul play there this is normal just like it's supposed to be I think that should be the end of that analogy until next time take care of yourself and the ones around you remember to breathe and peace